Welcome to Barely Audible Whisper, a weekly NPR parody podcast in no way associated with NPR, brought to you in no part by the following parody sponsors. The rat-infested city of Baltimore. No human being wants to live in a city infested with slumlord rats like Jared Kushner. Also, there's a few rodents. The Trump University Revisionist History School of Racist Revisionism, where identifying racism as racism is the real racism because being racist is not racist, but calling racism racism is racism against racists. And Congressman Elijah Cummings' subpoenas of Trump's financial records. Even in these lawless times, congressional subpoenas trump Trump's mean tweets. I am Dave. And I am Molly, and our voices are almost as muted as the Republicans' response to President Trump's racism. Our top story this week. Special Counsel Robert Mueller's testimony before two House committees last week left Americans with one burning question. Are Democrats going to impeach the son of a bitch or not? To answer that question, Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi convened an emergency meeting of prominent Democrats who barely audible whisper cast members do a passable impression of. I call this emergency meeting of prominent Democrats who barely audible whisper cast members do a passable impression of to order. Speaker Pelosi calls this meeting of prominent Democrats who barely audible whisper cast members do a passable impression of to order. I just said that, Chuck Schumer. And I echoed you saying it, thus fulfilling my role as the guy who stands next to you so it looks like I'm doing something. The question before us is simple. But as Democrats, it is our job to overcomplicate simple things with inane, legalistic, and procedural details. To that point, Judicial Committee Chairman Jerry Nadler has followed up on his informal verbal request to address this meeting with an official letter formalizing his informal request, which he followed up with a notarized notice of having previously submitted a formalized request regarding his informal request. I would just like to say that while my committee has not formally opened formal impeachment proceedings, we have come to an informal understanding that our formal investigation is to be informally considered in a non-binding sense to be a preliminary impeachment proceeding, which shall precede any impeachment proceedings if and when we determine to proceed with impeachment proceedings. Wow. That is bold. In fact, that is so bold that it has inspired me to make a brave and bold new action of my own. I will now subtly change my public stance from opposed to impeachment. To not favoring moving forward with impeachment at this time, but not entirely willing to take impeachment off the table. I echo Speaker Pelosi's bold new position. Shut up, Chuck. No one cares. Sorry. Las Vegas Representative Dina Titus. You represent Nevada, but you are clearly from the South, as evidenced by your huge, teased-out, bleached blonde hair and grating Southern accent. It's as though you went to Vegas to see Garth Brooks for a girls' weekend, got stuck at the penny slots, and decided to just live there. I sure did. (laughs) Following Robert Mueller's testimony, you changed your position from opposed to impeachment to in favor of impeachment. Why? Well, Mueller's testimony made it clear that the Trump campaign actively met with Russian officials to interfere with our election, and that President Trump actively obstructed the investigation into that malfeasance. Mueller already made that clear in his report. 
Yeah, I never got around to reading the report. I meant to, but then I got stuck at the panties lots. Intelligence Chairman Adam Schiff. Would you like to interject a self-righteous but ultimately weak moral platitude at this time? This is not okay. Maybe you think it's okay, but I don't think it's okay. Maybe you think it's okay for the president to obstruct a counterintelligence investigation into his own wrongdoing. You may think that's okay, but I don't think it's okay. It is not okay, and even if you think it is okay, I think it is not okay. Okay? So if it's okay, I'd like to conclude by saying this is not okay. Senator Kamala Harris, you're running for president, so I assume you'd like to make an overdramatic pronouncement. There was once a little girl who was bused to school every morning. And every afternoon, when that little girl was bused home from school, she would watch the Nixon impeachment on the news. That little girl was me. So you're in favor of impeachment. I was once a girl who grew up to be a woman. And as a woman who remembers an impeachment hearing from when I was a little girl, I believe that we are better than this. We are better as a country than being a country where the president is above the law. There was once a little girl who saw a country that knew it was better to be a country where the president was against the law. And that little girl watched her country bring an impeachment inquiry that led to the resignation of a president who, as a country, we were better than. And that little girl was me. Pete Buttigieg, what do you think we should do? What I think we should do is talk about what we want to do in terms that make what we want to do sound reasonable to people who aren't predisposed to wanting to do what we want to do. But before we do anything, we should organize the way we talk about doing things around a series of principles that reflect what we want to talk about when we talk about doing things without doing them. I think we've made a lot of progress toward pretending to make progress toward acting like we're doing something actually having to do anything. This meeting of prominent Democrats who barely audible whisper cast members do a passable impression of is a joint. Spiritual guru and presidential candidate Marianne Williamson will close the meeting with the Democrats' equivalent to a prayer. Impeachment is politics as usual, and I am transcendent of politics as usual. Um, it is not enough to merely impeach Trump in the constitutional sense. We must impeach Trump on the spiritual plane. We must cleanse our chakras of the toxic Trumpness that is Trump and achieve the blissful harmony of Trumpless and eternal love. Um, the state of South Dakota passed a law mandating that the motto, In God We Trust, be prominently displayed in all South Dakota public schools. So apparently we have to have that stupid debate again. And so Barely Audible Whisper presents that stupid debate again in a segment we're calling That Stupid Debate Again. 
Praise be to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, for the Christly wisdom of the South Dakota Legislature to enact this law in the name of the Holy Spirit. Uh, based on your own words, this is a deliberate effort to impose Christian values on public school children. Of course not! And I resent the implication! I'm not implying what you said. You said what you said. But the motto doesn't say what I said. The motto merely implies what I said without expressly saying what I expressly said. You're advocating the motto, In God We Trust, knowing that the we is really you because in God I do not trust. Therefore, the motto, In God We Trust, would more accurately be expressed as, In God Some People Trust, because your belief that, In God You Trust, is not shared by millions of people who, In God Don't Trust. A statistically significant majority of American people believe in God. Then the motto should be, In God a statistically significant majority of Americans trust. The motto implies, In Jesus Christ, the only Son of the only true God we trust, and not necessarily Christian God we trust, is a compromise. An implied but not expressly stated Christian God we trust is not a compromise to, to those of us who in no God do we trust. What's so offensive about believing in God? Nothing. Your belief in God is not the issue. Your insistence that in God you trust be expressed as in God we trust when in God I do not trust is presumptuous and discriminatory because in God a statistically significant majority of Americans trust is fundamentally different from in God we trust which is not only dismissive of in no God do we believe it's also dismissive of multiple faith traditions such as in God we trust but the in God we trust is not named God in the concept of God in which we do not name because we believe it is blasphemous and disrespectful to limit that awesome power of the concept of God with such a trivial label such as God we trust and my personal favorite of many gods we believe in, we only trust some of those gods because some of our gods are not to be trusted. You're, you're persecuting me for my beliefs. No, I'm simply objecting to you persecuting other people for their beliefs. Persecution is a hyperbolic and loaded word. It's just a silly little motto. Then why are you fighting so hard to mandate that a silly little motto be prominently displayed in every public school in South Dakota? Persecuting me? How you call my faith a silly little motto. So you admit that the motto is a significant expression of faith, then perhaps you can understand why people who do not share in that faith object to a universal declaration of a faith that they do not believe in. Everything is so politically correct these days. Why is everybody getting so worked up over a silly little motto? Because a nation dedicated to individual religious liberty shouldn't have a religious motto that proclaims a universally held theology. It's not religious! If it said, in Jesus we trust, it would be religious, but it says, in God we trust, which could mean anything. No, it couldn't mean anything. It means something very specific. It means that there is one monotheistic God, and all of us trust in him. Exactly. What's controversial about that? Everything! Calling my religious beliefs controversial is persecution! Not having your specific religious belief singled out as the preferred religious belief of students at a public school is not persecution. Ancient Roman schools didn't display the motto, In God We Trust, and they fed Christians to the lions. As much as I would love to see you eaten by lions, I would never actually advocate that Christians be eaten by lions, because I respect your right to believe what you want. All I'm asking is that you give those of us who don't believe what you believe, 
the same respect. I completely respect people's right not to believe specifically what I believe. Just as long as their beliefs are broadly based in the same broader basis for my specific beliefs. That's why the motto isn't, in Jesus Christ, the only son of the only true God we trust. It's in God we trust. What about people who broadly trust in God, but specifically call the God they trust in Allah? Mere semantics? The concept of God is still God, even if you call God Allah. So why don't schools display signs that say, in Allah we trust? Sharia law! What? Muslims using the law to impose their religious beliefs on non-Muslims is called Sharia law. What's it called when Christians try to impose their religious belief on non-Christians? In God we trust. I would never actually advocate that lions be eaten by lions. Lions be eaten by lions? That's called cannibal lions. I know. I, I, I would... According to a new report from Bloomberg News, the brand Victoria's Secret is facing serious financial problems. Shocking. A company whose sole purpose is the sexual objectification of women is experiencing pushback after it was revealed that they had a decades-long relationship with Jeffrey Epstein. Apparently, Victoria's Secret's troubles are more than just their decades-long financial interconnectedness with a billionaire sexual predator who ran an underage sex trafficking ring that serviced other billionaire sexual predators. According to the article, somehow the Me Too movement and something called body positivity are having a negative effect on sales. Shocking. A man doesn't get why women don't want to shop at Victoria's Secret. In order to help men better understand Victoria's Secret's current situation, Barely Audible Whisper presents an executive meeting at a company we'll call Victor's Secret, a Victoria's Secret-inspired company run by women who sexualize men the way Victoria's Secret sexualizes women. So uh, last night I showed my husband a picture of a stud with a 10-inch penis from one of our catalogs and said, why can't you be more like this guy? And he ran out of the room crying, like it's my fault that he's got an irrational obsession with his penis size. Or like I'm supposed to pretend that his six and a half inches is somehow just as good as ten? Am I right? High five! Obviously, I agree with you. Don't leave me hanging! Unfortunately, I cannot validate your hilarious comment about how irrational men's obsession with their penis size is, or how awesome men with large penises are with a high five. What gives- Our sales are down, and for some reason our marketing team thinks our low sales are somehow linked to our hypersexualized portrayal of men with large penises. That's crazy. Everybody digs a dude with a large penis, am I right? High five! Again, our current financial situation prevents me from validating your accurate and hilarious observation with a high five. You're really drying up my vag here. Our sales figures for the last quarter are a dry enough vag to drive all of our vag assists. Now, we've all got wet vages for big penises, yeah? But apparently we got our vages so wet for big penises that we made the average and below average penises feel inadequate. Who cares what dudes with average or below average penises think? Am I right? High five! Uh, I should have left you hanging on that one, but uh, it was too original and not at all cliche a sentiment to let you down, but seriously, yo, we've got to figure this out. We already figured this out. We launched a line of banana hammocks for dudes with average penis the size years ago. Yes, but our market research indicates that men with average size penises resent the fact that we call our line of products specifically designed for men with average penis sizes itty bitty teeny weeny pathetic little penis sized. I don't get it. 
Apparently, men with average-sized penises feel inadequate and self-conscious when we call their average-sized penises itty-bitty, teeny-weeny, pathetic little penis-sized. Again, who cares what dudes with average penises think? As it turns out, we have to care that men with average-sized penises don't like us to refer to their average-sized penises as itty-bitty, teeny-weeny, pathetic little penis-sized. If we want to sell itty-bitty, teeny-weeny, pathetic little penis-sized banana hammocks to men with average-sized penises. I still don't get this. Is this some sort of penis paradox? If we want men with average-sized penises to buy our banana hammocks, we can't make them feel bad about having average-sized penises. Also, we don't sell anything for men with below average-sized penises, so... Duh. We get our badges wet when dudes with large penises shop at our stores. If a bunch of dudes with small penises dry up our badges, it defeats the whole purpose of having dudes with large penises getting our badges wet. This is more important than a wet badge. What's more important than a wet badge? Money. Touché. So I guess the thing to do is to stop calling average penis-sized banana hammocks itsy-bitsy, teeny-weeny, pathetic little penis-sized and start selling less-than-average-sized banana hammocks and we can call those itsy-bitsy, teeny-weeny, pathetic little penis-sized. We can't call the less-than-average-sized penis banana hammocks itty-bitty, teeny-weeny, pathetic little penis-sized. If men with average-sized penises are insecure about having their average-sized penises called itty-bitty, teeny-weeny, pathetic little penis-sized, then I can only imagine how insecure men with less-than-average-sized penises will feel about having their less-than-average-sized penises called itty-bitty, teeny-weeny, pathetic little penis-sized. I am so sick of men and their stupid feelings! Very sensitive creatures. Which brings me to the other demographic that our market research team identified as responding negatively to our brand. Men with large penises. What? Apparently... Men with large penises are tired of being objectified as such for their large penises. What? As hard as it is to believe men with large penises want to be thought of as more than just men with large penises. What could a dude with a large penis possibly want to be beyond being a dude with a large penis? I don't know. A doctor or a scientist or whatever. It's bad enough that dudes are competing with chicks in the workplace, but at least it makes sense for dudes with less than an average or even average size penises. Those dudes have to work because their penises aren't big enough to attract a successful chick. But why in the hell would a dude with a large penis want to work when he could stay home and put his large penis to good use pleasing his woman? I don't know, but if we don't figure out how to market our banana hammock to more modern and liberated dudes, and our profits are gonna dry up faster than our badges around modern and liberated dudes. It's hard being a chick's chick in an era of Me Too. Fucking masculinists! Special Counsel Robert Mueller's testimony before two House committees last week left Americans with one burning question Is Robert Mueller okay? To answer that question, Barely Audible Whisper sent Robert Mueller to see a doctor. How are you feeling today, Mr. Muller? Could you repeat the question? How are you feeling? Could you repeat the question? How are you feeling? I don't think it would be appropriate for me to speculate. I'm not asking you to speculate. I'm asking you how you feel. Given the subjective and speculative nature of feelings, I cannot speak to or uh, speculate on how I'm feeling. Are you experiencing any pain? Could you repeat the question? Pain. Look at the pain chart. 
Can you describe any pain you might be feeling on a zero to 10 scale in a cartoon smiley face that progressively becomes a frowny face with tears? Uh, I do not think it would be appropriate for me to speculate on a sliding scale of cartoon faces given the subjective nature of smiley and frowny faces. I'm just trying to determine if you're in pain. I disagree with the characterization of the smiley face as a indication of a lack of pain, as I am often not in any pain, but I have never smiled. It's just a chart we use to- The entire basis of characterizing different pain levels with different faces is called into question by the fact that the only expression I've ever had on my face is a straight line mouth that is neither frowning nor smiling. A face which uh, your chart associates with the number five, but my face associates with every waking moment of my life. Never mind. Why don't I just test your reflexes? Could you repeat the question? Remarkable. You had no reaction to me striking your knee whatsoever. In all my years of medicine, I've never had a patient who had no reflex response whatsoever. Oh, there it goes. That was an impossibly long comedic delay. My knee did not think it was appropriate to uh, immediately respond to your hammer. Moving on. Uh, Mr. Muller, I'm going to ask you to follow the light with your eyes, okay? Follow the light, Mr. Muller. You're not following the light. Uh, I have uh, purposely chosen to limit my eye movement to the four corners of looking straight ahead. I cannot learn anything if you don't cooperate, Mr. Muller. I uh, requested guidance from the Department of Justice before coming in for this physical. Uh, They wrote me a memorandum regarding Justice Department guidelines for former special counsel's medical physicals as completely made up by Attorney General William Barr. A patient's participation in a medical examination should not be subjected to a bunch of arbitrary standards that Bill Barr pulled out of his ass. Uh, he didn't pull them out of his ass. Uh, he pulled them out of his jowls. Just let me see the damn memo. To whom it may concern, due to a long-standing Justice Department policy established in Redacted and reconfirmed Redacted years later by Redacted, Mr. Muller may not follow a beam of light with eyes, reflexively move his knee, or try and express pain levels using your stupid chart of comparative cartoon faces. Signed, William Barr's Jowls. P.S. You can make him cough while you press behind his scrotum if you want, because we welcome his humiliation. Very well. Turn your head and cough, Mr. Muller. Did you repeat the question? It wasn't a question. Turn your head and cough. Okay, uh... Uh, but I feel like a cartoon face turned beet red with embarrassment and, uh, crying cartoon tears of repressed Protestant shame. Famed megachurch pastor and best-selling Christian author of a series of books that promotes so-called purity culture, Joshua Harris, renounced his faith this week. Purity culture is the belief that young people should not only abstain from sex before marriage, they should abstain from traditional dating altogether, and opt instead for a process called courtship. During courtship, prospective partners meet under the strict supervision of their parents and are forbidden from kissing, hand-holding, and all other forms of physical contact until they have become married. Barely Audible Whisper obtained audio of Harris's courtship with his wife. It sure is swell meeting you under the strict supervision of our parents. 
I hope by not touching each other at all, we can avoid all the... S-E-X stuff. And really get to know each other. To tell you the truth, I feel a little awkward. I mean, as a woman, I dutifully submit myself to what you are saying. Oh, gosh. Sure would be neat if I could hold your hand. I mean, I know I can't. <laughs> because we'd have to get married and all, but whew, still. It would be pretty neat. At the risk of having an idea? I have an idea. Oh, oh at the risk of having to listen to your idea, I'm going to let you tell me your idea. Well... We can't hold hands, or kiss, or do S-E-X, unless we're married. But it occurs to me that if we were married, then we could hold hands and kiss and do S-E-X. That's not much of an idea as it is a reframing of the principles of courtship. So silly of me to think a woman could solve a problem. Still, I would like to hold your hand and... Maybe even do kisses and S-E-X. But we can't do any of that unless we get married. So I guess we're right back where we started. Uh, I was trying to imply that we should get married. Oh, I don't want to rush into anything. Oh, yeah. I just I just want to do S-E-X. I want to do S-E-X so bad I, I can hardly think about anything else. But but we can't do S-E-X and, unless we're married. And since we're not married, we can't do S-E-X. If we got married, we, we could do S-E-X. I just had a great idea. What if we got married? And so we could do S-E-X? I do. It's almost as if by removing sex from an intimate relationship that sex is an important part of, they made the desire to have sex the driving factor behind a decision that's too important to be based solely on desire to have sex. Who could have possibly predicted that outcome? Everybody. Literally everybody. Everybody except for Pastor Joshua Harris, who, in addition to renouncing his faith, also announced that he's getting divorced from his wife. I can't take it anymore. I want a divorce. It's almost as if by removing sex from an intimate relationship that sex is an important part of, we made the desire to have sex the driving factor behind a decision that's too important to base solely on a desire to have sex. Who could have possibly predicted that outcome? I don't know! Apparently, there's a flaw in meeting your prospective spouse under the strict supervision of your parents and not being allowed any physical contact until you get married. I can't see the flaw either. But somehow zero human contact and strict parental supervision did not yield a blissful marriage. If I'm wrong about this, there's no telling what else I could be wrong about. I renounce my faith! In addition to renouncing his faith, Pastor Harris renounced his previously held anti-LGBTQ positions and apologized to the LGBTQ community. Come to think of it, I don't think other people's sexual orientation is any of my business. I think I'm into women. Wait, what? I want to do S-E-X with a woman. In fact, I'm going to say S-E-X out loud. I want to do sex with a woman. Okay. I owe the LGBTQ community an apology. I'll pass that along to all the women I do sex with. For the record, ex-Pastor Harris's ex-wife is not actually a lesbian. We wish ex-Pastor Harris and his newfound sanity the best of luck, even if we cannot help but wonder what will happen to him now. Are you megachurch pastor and purity culture author Joshua Harris? I was once. I don't know who I am. You're a- Bastard! Ow! 
You ruined my life. I wasted an entire decade trapped in a loveless marriage to an abusive husband because I followed your purity culture bullshit. I am so sorry that happened to you. Uh, if it makes you feel any better, I've renounced purity culture and my faith. It's not your fault. Who could have possibly predicted a flaw in meeting your prospective spouse under the strict supervision of your parents and not being allowed any physical contact until you get married could fuck up an entire generation of humans? Thank you for listening to Barely Audible Whisper, made possible by the following people, writer, co-host, and producer Dave Baldwin, co-host and actress Molly Brown, Actor Daniel Carter Brown, Ali Glonick, and Michael Morgan. Please follow us on social media, subscribe to us wherever you subscribe to your podcasts, and tell all your friends about us. We appreciate your support. <laughs> I'm singing for Dave all alone in this room while he's peeing. Hubris!